Hey everybody, Chris Chipman, aka The Chippa here, just to let you know, right before this episode starts, I want to tell you about a very awesome thing my friends over at Cinemaspection, Tim and Corinne Luz, are doing on October 24th. They have an all-night 12-hour horror marathon to take the place of the one that would normally be going on at the Coolidge Corner Theater here in Boston. So listen to them talk about that really quick. I hope you all can join in. Um, so thank you so much, and please show them your support. This is going to be a blast. Hey, before we get into the show, we have a big announcement to make. Now, normally in October, we spend at least one great Saturday night up all night at one of the local movie theaters watching a 12-hour horror movie marathon. That's not happening this year. So we're going to try and do it on our own. October 24th at midnight through October 25th at noon, we're going to be watching 12 hours worth of horror movies, and we invite you to join us. Uh, we will be tweeting along to these films under the hashtag CSHorrorthon. Uh, we invite you, please, come join us and say snarky things or let us know how much you love or and hate the films that we're watching. To make it easier, we've picked movies that are all currently available on Shutter for October. We're going to be starting off with The Color Out of Space at 12. At 2 o'clock, we'll move on to the original Phantasm from 1979. At 3.45, we'll be watching the Hammer classic The Vampire Lovers. At 5.30, a more modern horror tale, Darling, directed by Mickey Keaton. Just around the time that something kind of weird is going to make you feel loopy. So that's the best slot for it, I think. Now, for 7 o'clock, we had hoped to get to Larry Cohen's The Stuff, but unfortunately found out it's no longer on Shutter. so we're shifting over to Lamberto Bava's Bizarre and Wonderful Demons. At 8.45, we'll go way back to the 30s with The Old Dark House from James Whale, a really classic horror comedy. If you've never seen it, it is worth every second. So if you have to make a decision and you want to take a nap between movies, you can skip something you've already seen, but definitely come see The Old Dark House. And because it's always good to wrap up with something really fun, at 10.20, we're going to be watching Dead Heat with Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Tons of fun. I love this movie. I've seen it one time. <laughs> one time. And I can't tell you how much I love this movie. It is ridiculous. It is a mess, and I love it. I will have been awake at that point for probably about 36 hours, and me typing about this ridiculous movie will be fun, so please join us. Yeah, we'll be punchy and, and weird. It's going to be great. In between the movies, we'll try to have a few extra little surprises, and uh, maybe we'll even do a contest. We're still working on that. But please join us. So October 24th at midnight to October 25th noon. Details on our Cinemaspection Twitter account. So stay up late with us and watch some horror movies. Okay, now on with the episode. They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. Before I get into my very special guest today, I'd like to thank, as I always do, my ever-growing number of $15 or more a month patrons. One of your benefits is you get to hear your name said on here. I don't know if any of you guys like it, but I like doing it. And um, plenty of you are in that tier, so maybe it's a good benefit. Um, you are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, Andrew Kraus, Little Nicky, Robert V. Aldrich, and Aaron Moriarty. And to my newest patrons, Jessica Gronsbell, Jordi Collado, David Fleming, Mario Augusto Puga Valera, and Aaron Moriarty, thank you all so much. 
every single one of you, whether it's a dollar or whether it's $50 a month, um, you know, th these things I put out there for free. I don't put my podcasts behind paywalls. I put some other videos and other fun stuff behind there just to get you to join. But you really do help me uh, feel like I'm doing the right thing by putting this stuff out there. And um, it also works as a secondary income in tough times like we're dealing with right now. Um, this show, as a lot of shows, are brought to you by Skeeter Plays. It's my buddy Steve, one of my very best friends. Let's Play channel on YouTube. He just started it. Um, it's a blast. I'm going to be a guest on it soon. So go over to YouTube and check out Skeeter Plays. And with that, my continuing coverage of the Salem Horror Fest 2020, which as of this recording has ended, but that does not mean any of these films time on this earth have ended. It's only the beginning <laughs> um, for films in particular, like the film Displaced, which held its world premiere. I absolutely loved. I did a review. I've interviewed the lead actor the director and co-star, and now today with another one of the film's co-stars, the very, 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 very creepy co-star. <laughs> um, please, please introduce yourself um, to my fans, at least, and, you know, to the world, as it were. Awesome. Well, that is, I feel like, the dream intro. Never, never, <laughs> never the intro I think uh, my mom always pictured I'd have, but... Uh, uh, I really appreciate it. I, I worked really hard on being creepy for this movie, so I'm glad that it paid off. Um, I'm Megan. I play Heather in Displaced, and I'm so excited. Uh, thank you so much for your, you know, continued support of the film and for everyone who watched it at Salem and is, or who just, you know, took place in Salem horror uh in general because we're super excited that people that this film got out into the world and that you know the circumstances being what they were i feel like maybe even more people got to see the movie uh than than we anticipated so i guess that's one silver lining of this very weird dark year no absolutely i just got a um uh uh, um, what is it and i didn't have this information when i had josh on so you'll have to mm -hmm. pass it on to him if he didn't know but they sent out a survey to people that were um, that paid to you know do it. Oh, cool. And and it said, hey, here's all the categories, and here's the top five most viewed things in those categories. And of the premiere films, which what there were like twenty three, mm -hmm. you you guys were in the top five. Oh, that's cool. Because your your movie was one of the ones to vote for. So I was wow. like, oh, look at that. Yeah, I that's mean, it was the ones flattering. you'd it was the ones you'd expect. Um, you know, I mean, outside of yours, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Lenny, Lenny, and Threshold and the Ooh, strings, strings, yeah, and, and you guys, and um, I, there was there was another one that it was obvious, like that. I mean, because I, I really liked all of the movies, but there were some that you just go, no, these are like the, you know, the ones that completely jumped out. It might have been Black Lake. Black okay, Lake was yeah. Really was yeah. really freaking good too. But um, yeah, that's so yeah. flattering. There's some I mean there's such great talented people involved. So that's, oh, yeah. that's so flattering to hear. I'm excited. And they said there were 600 viewers. Oh my god. That paid that paid to do it and 3000 hours logged in just wow. the two weekends. It's insane, right? That's why I mean good for that. They're so wonderful the people who run Salem yes, just a little bit we got to chat with them we did a little panel with them right when we uh, yep. the, we got announced and they're wonderful and just, you know now I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit involved in horror Twitter just <laughs> so right? I follow the festival the organizers and they're just great people so I'm excited I'm excited for us but I'm also really excited for them because yeah they put together no. a really great thoughtful program they they did, and they haven't been doing it for long. Right, surprising in the city that they're in. I live one town over. I, I live in Lane. Oh, cool. Mass. 
And so I've been, you know, it's been one of those things where it's like, why doesn't Salem have like they, they do the haunted happenings thing. Mm-hmm. The city is the city is just very kind of like. I don't want to use the word stuck up about it, but it really yeah, is. Yeah, they don't the want to. And I, and I get it. I mean, we don't want to be the place that people come to because we murdered a bunch of innocent girls in the 1600s. Right. right. But at the same time, you can turn that into a educational thing of, hey, yeah. here's how we don't repeat that. And also horror is all about catharsis and not, nece- you know, it, it, horror isn't a community of people that like to hurt and murder people. It's a community right. of people that like that escape. Like, yeah, that's a big difference. Right. And, and comment and commenting, I feel like Cora does such a great job. And again, I, you know, I don't want to, uh, I'm similar to Philip, pretty new to horror. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I feel like horror is, is one of the greatest ways to comment on society and the darkest parts of our history and the darkest parts of our present. And so why would you, you know, I feel like Salem is the perfect example of that. My mom, actually, when I was a kid, my mom, um, we lived in Boston for a summer because she did her dissertation on partially on the Salem witch trials are a part of it. So we, yeah. So, so uh, we went to a a lot of graveyards and um, so, yeah, she, she studied all, all that, that time period. So I I definitely grew up knowing, knowing all about it. Um, Well, yeah, that's, that's my mother in a nutshell. She, every rock with a plaque, every cemetery that looks old, we've always stopped at. uh And she, and she actually did the research to fulfill our family's tie to a Mayflower passenger. Oh, and now cool. we're and now we're in a society, you know, and all this stuff. And it's just yeah. like this is hilarious. Yeah, no, we traced uh, we traced ourselves back to some not so great uh, pilgrims as well. But you know, yep. that's again, that's part of our <laughs> history, and that's part of we we all just have to you know learn from, I guess. Exactly, but yeah, so um, you know. It, it's it's just wild. So, so you had said, you know, um, not as big of a background in horror, just like Philip. But mm-hmm. before um, before getting too displaced, what what brings you to displaced? Like, what's your background? How did how did you get there? You know. So I, uh, as Philip and Josh, we all studied at the same acting school at William Esper Studios in the city, and so right after graduating, that was kind of you know when you know, you just hit the pavement and you start looking at those uh, non-union auditions that are posted on backstage and actors access. And, you know, it's a, it's a risky game. You go into some auditions in weird studios in Midtown and sometimes uh, they're a little bit sketchy. You know, you never really know what you're going to get as a non-union actor because you don't really oh, have yeah. an agent, you know, fielding uh, these auditions for you. That's not to say that any of these projects were bad. I really do feel like everyone has an audience, but... Um, you know, you never know what you were going to get. And with the displaced audition, I had a little bit more faith because it was coming from the coming through the, you know, the email list to serve from the grad for the graduates of the acting studio. And so that gave me a little more confidence that we would at least speak the same language, but kind of the best advice I ever got from uh, an acting teacher is my acting teacher Esper said, just go to the audition and you'll have a sense when you enter the room whether or not they're people you can and should work with. You'll just get a vibe, you know, like our, you, that's why you're an actor is to pay, be able to pick up energy. And, you know, that's what I think creative people do so well. And so went to this audition in Midtown and just, you know, from the moment I met Josh and, and the people he had working in that room was 
the the vibes just felt right and and i had faith kind of in him and the project from there but yeah that was back in like fall 2018 wow yeah Yeah. you know you 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 make uh, you make a really good point there about like the feeling of comfort because you that can come through in a big production again you know Mm -hmm. big productions are put together differently right like i i've been on you know talking to all interviewing these different people from this, you know, it's hard to tell nowadays with how good of a camera you can have and how, right. you know, how, how great and talented everybody is. Cause you know, it used to be the micro budget indie movies. You could just tell because they were filmed on home video instead right. of film. Like that mm-hmm. was the difference, right? You could just immediately tell not to say that they weren't well-made. It's just, sure. you could immediately tell. Right. But I've been, I've been on a set that's I've, I've been like the, the head of a set you know, that's very similar to what you guys were involved in, not, not mm-hmm. the same caliber of movie, but, um, you can immediately tell with you guys that you were all comfortable with each other that comes through because there's not a whole lot of extra digital or filming wizardry being put in to right. add, add anything to it. You just, the actors just have to be that good, you, you know? Um, and I, you can fake that, you know, you can do a big, you know, Hollywood Marvel movie mm-hmm. and have everyone on a different set and green screen them all together right. and you know the wiser, but it really takes, it really takes talent to move past those limitations as, as you know, Josh and Philip have both said and just say, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm here to act. I'm trained to act. And that's going to come straight through. But if you guys don't get along, that can also come through. Right. Yeah. And and the thing is, too, you know, we were shooting in uh, micro budget, nano budget. You know, we were shooting in these departments and there was no trailers to go to. There was no holding rooms. You know, we were all just kind of Philip was shooting a big emotional scene in one bedroom and I was sitting in the next bedroom changing into the next outfit. And, you know, everyone's kind of quietly working their can I curse on here can I say asses yes you can okay (laughs) everyone's like silently quickly working their asses off to make the shit shot happen and you know it's I think for an actor a lot of times we're in our own little actor world but to watch you know Josh and Jimmy our DP set up a whole shot and get creative and figure out how they were going to do things that just I think invests you more in the production and in the people so that was kind of the the benefit of this kind of this uh i think you called them or the kind of the one-man band aspect jimmy you know this whole crew being so tight-knit um and doing yeah. everything is that we really did get to know each other well um partially because we were forced to but <laughs> thank god everyone ended up being wonderful and lovely and i'm glad that comes across well and it gets you to take ownership of a project like right. as, as an as an artist i would imagine you know it you know the 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 paycheck you know isn't you know the the aspiration at this point in the game of course, um, because, yeah. but, but the knowledge of, Hey, I was involved. I saw every step, mm-hmm. you know, and not only did I see every step, but behind the camera in that shot, I was holding a lighting fixture. Yeah. I was holding a mic, you know, that kind of stuff. I feel it, it gives you ownership of it. Totally. You know? and, and again, not to say that there aren't people, you know, the whole point of going for a trade and learning a trade is so you can be the best actor and the gaffer can be the best gaffer and the editor right. can be the best editor. But I think if you don't get exposed to the process, you're more apt to not um, not be as invested. I, I totally. The word. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I grew up and, you know, through college and stuff, I did a lot of producing, producing theater mostly. Yeah. 
And I think it just gave me such an appreciation for what Josh is going through on a day-to-day on the set, what our you know producer Rico was going through every day on set, and just knowing how to be the most helpful, efficient actor that I could be to make this process easier and to be the you know, do all my acting stuff, like come fully prepared, but also just be the easiest to work with because I understood that everyone had a million moving parts. And I think that that's so important for, I think, actors specifically to understand because it's <laughs> so easy to make it all about us and to think that it's all about us when we're, you know, have, doing a lot of emotional preparation, but it's it's truly a, a collaboration. And I'm so grateful that I got this experience. This is the first feature that I've been in to you know, kick it off with this because I'll forever be invested in this. And like, you know, when I was showing it to my friends and family, when they got to watch it at Salem, I was like, I, um, I actually drew the, uh, the satanic drawings on that wall. That was me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else was like in the van and I was like, and I just, you know, hung out at the apartment and drew satanic symbols all day. (laughs) It was great. I was going to ask, I never got to ask Phil or Josh, who did those? That that's oh, yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if Phil just freehanded them one day. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Josh was like something like this, and I was like, I got it. And and you do kind of get into a weird headspace when you just are doing those oh, yeah. symbols for hours. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've I've done Halloween decorations for like oh. haunted houses and stuff, and you mm-hmm. go what? And, and like that was back, you know, that was in Catholic school, and you're like doing, and I'm like oh, at mm-hmm. the time. At the time, you go in your headspace and you go, do they know what they're asking me to do right now? Because this is kind of wrong. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm on pentagrams and stuff, like, in uh-huh. a church. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, it's 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 so funny. Um, so, you know, and, and that that's, that's so important because, um, like, especially in independent film, you know, the actor is – is the product right mm-hmm. is when you, when you when you don't have a lot of effects and you don't have a lot of you know um again this movie is beautifully shot your dp was awesome but again this is this is a uh, actor driven story mm-hmm. this movie and and like you said if you if you come to it thinking okay since i'm the product none of those other pieces matter mm-hmm. then then it's going to make lesser product because you don't understand like you said how to how to elevate and help that part of the product <laughs> Right. And even just bringing yourself to something, you know, with the same, you know, this is going to sound okay. <laughs> uh, this is like one of my favorite quotes that it's going to bring in, you know, I think my favorite movie of all time, um, which is The Muppet oh, Christmas good. Carol. But Michael oh, Caine no says something, it's my favorite, not my favorite Christmas movie, it is my favorite movie of all time. But Michael Caine said something about like, he took the work Uh, the work of an actor as seriously as when he was playing opposite the Muppets as when he was playing opposite Shakespeare actors. And I feel as an actor, that's after you approach, that's how you have to approach everything. If it's a project where you're holding a boom and like changing in the next bedroom versus showing up to a multi-million dollar set. Like I, I hope that that's always how uh, you know, I continue to bring myself to the work because you, you, I think the quality of your work improves because just your connections with everybody around you is going to improve. And, you know, that's, I think that that reads on screen. I agree. And I, some of my favorite big Hollywood directors are, are directors who have come from that world. Because mm-hmm. again, because again, you know, I'll, you can't, every director comes from that world. You know, no one, no one's first movie right. is, you know, but but some of them seem to still get it 
Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm talking like, you know, the James Gunn's of the world, the John Favreau's mm-hmm. of the world, the people mm-hmm. you can go, oh, yeah, they seem, and everyone that works for Blumhouse, because they're on right. quote unquote, quote unquote, mini budget big Hollywood movies. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I think that's great that they still try to run their sets like indie movies just to yeah. make sure they get they get that type of experience out of their actors. I think that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I but, think that's um, so important. But but for you, so so this script comes across the table or this this role. How how did you was it you said it was advertised through the school? Is that yeah, how you saw it? it was on like a you know, alumni kind of casting notice. And I didn't know I remember going into the first audition, the scene was um, the scene with Nathan right after Josh's, or I'm sorry, I'm not trying to give too much, but it's early, it's early in yeah, the yeah. film after one of, you know, uh, he has, Nathan has a spooky first encounter with um, Lucas, Josh's character, and I mm-hmm. kind of go there to smooth things over, and that was the audition, and you know, at the time, a first round audition, you're not given the whole, you're not given the whole script. And so I was kind of filling in some gaps. And then I remember going and being like, I knew, I knew she was evil. Like I knew, I had a feeling that she was uh, not, not the uh, protagonist, but kind of had to fill in some gaps. And then I remember when I got the call back, I think, I think that's when I got the full script, or at least Josh was kind of like, do you know what's like, do you want a little bit more information? And I was like, yeah. And that's when the cults came up in satanic panic. And I was like, oh, okay, this is a whole world. And this is like much more multi-layered than uh, I thought it was. And and then, you know, obviously I got the whole script and was so excited about it, not just about Heather, but the whole story and everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, when you first get in the audition, you have really no idea of what kind of story it's going to be. So I was, but I at least knew that my role I was interested in, but then when I got the whole script and, you know, so saw how good the script was, I was just super excited. That's an awesome first scene to do for a script read. Cause like, like that, there's so much, um, at least in your performance on screen, you know, I don't know how you read it at the script read, but the, you do like, uh, a Herculean amount of foreshadowing and, um, and playfulness in like the, you know, cause, cause and again, I'm not going to try to reveal too much, but Mm. your character says every single thing is intentional. Every interaction is intentional and it comes off very, you know, you, you, you had said you equated the character after you read it and worked it out to being, you know, the, the mother character, um, what's your name, uh, from 40 year old virgin and a million other amazing things. Oh, um, what's that actress? Is it, Ka- name? Is it Catherine Keener? Yeah. Ka- Catherine Keener. Yeah. Um, Catherine, yeah. Um, you equated, you know, that kind of role and that's exactly it. That like to a normal everyday person that hasn't already been given the background of something's not right here. Like we, as the audience are, this person's completely charming and welcoming right. to, to you, to you, this guy and you, there's red flags going off everywhere. And that performance is, it's a hard line to walk where you can believe that people could be swayed by this person. You know, thank, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Cause that was, I mean, that was one of the hardest things to find because, and Josh mentioned this briefly too, cause it's kind of like, are you playing someone that is complete, like, you know, when you think about other films like this, where it's revealed at the end, who really is evil and how evil. And, you know, I was kind of like, okay, is this, 
and again, my horror knowledge was pretty small. I was like, is this Allison Williams and get out? Is this because uh-huh. to me, like her flipping at that, her find, uh, finding the keys at the end was a huge shock for me. Or is oh, this me too. Keener? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, still haunting, but I was like, or is it Catherine Keener where you know something's wrong? And then kind of the reference that ended up working, uh, I, working for me when Josh and I were talking about this and he was like, watch misery, like watch Kathy Bates and misery. And (laughs) uh, the way that she'll like slip in, like the crazy, you know, her true colors will come out a little bit, but then she'll be back to being like perfectly sweet and normal behind the knife behind the back while smiling you and telling you everything's fine. Right to your face. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that, that comes off in that, um, you know, I I just liked those ties. And again, I, I didn't get to talk to Josh about how much, obviously, you know, you can't make a movie like this or you couldn't even make a movie like Get Out without it being influenced by many, many other socially conscious mm-hmm. horror films mm-hmm. that have come before it. But I loved the ASMR thing because it's like, oh, yeah. that's very, very similar, but also it's, it's a different sort of reveal. It's like, okay, I'm using this to make my husband go to sleep Right. So it's like immediately when the TV turns on and as it going, it's like, okay, this isn't something that should be happening. Right. So I, I love that. And now all of a sudden you're talking directly to him and I'm like, this is just, ah, this is just so cool. Yeah. Um, It's like the 2020 version of witchcraft. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Now my, my question to you is without, without a big horror knowledge, um, what, um, where did you have any, cause again, you know, I, I asked Philip this and Philip's just like, you know, I'm, I'm a very well-trained actor, so I didn't have much to go off of. So I just tried to figure out who my character was, which mm-hmm. I think, which I think can help horror even more, especially right. with horror meant to be taken seriously and not horror that's meant to be silly, like like some movies. Right. Um, but do you ha- did you have like a thing in your life? Like, did you have you know um, like bad experiences with? Be with you know with with people similar or like you know you you know like some people can go oh I I had a friend that was like way 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 too into youth group and they were right. really cool. <laughs> so I was able to you know uh, go off I, of that or, no that makes a lot yeah. of sense I so I didn't but I I did I I like what you're saying about you know you do have to take it as seriously as if you know and as seriously as you would take any role and. Also, you have to, I think when you're, at least when you're playing the character, you know, when you're watching it later, you could, I think, be as critical as you want. But I think when you're in the middle of creating the character, playing the character, you really do have to like the character (laughs) and root for them. So I had to, you know, find a way to root for Heather and be on Heather's side unequivocally. And so the thing that kind of, I went a bunch of different ways and like researching and watching the movies and then, but kind of what really helped me is I, I bought this book called The Satanic Witch, which is is published like in earnest. Um, and it's not supposed to be, you know, a parody. It's not supposed to be a kitschy gift. Like it is a true earnest book about being a satanic witch, which I did have to explain to a roommate at one point and be like, I'm it's a fur roll. It's just research. Please don't worry. Um, <laughs> and so part of the role of a satanic, because that's what Heather is, you know, that that's the spells, that's the, the sacrificing the cat that, you know, summoning, looking for signs, like that's what they're doing. And part of the role of the witch versus, you know, a male is, is charming men. And, uh, yep. and so 
I thought a very like 2020 version of what it is to charm men and as just an individual person in my life is kind of being this, you know, overly sweet, kind of sometimes overly apologetic, like um, playing, playing dumb, unfortunately, like, unfortunately, that works. And that's how you have like, I think we as women are sometimes trained to charm people. So having that idea of like what it, especially, you know, I knew she was supposed to be Midwestern and sweet and all these things. And so I was like, oh, using that, that something that I, you know, we're forced to do as females in this world all the time, but also like that is part of her whole. So that was very familiar to me, but then knowing that that was her act, that was a her satanic witch act to charm people you know, I kind of also got to create this other side of her that is the fully in control, knowledgeable, uh, you know, driving, driving the train. Because I, I think Heather thinks that she's she's got this whole thing on lock, that she's the one, yep. you know, controlling Lucas and she's the one that deserves to be the bride of Satan and whatever. So kind of getting to create these two versions of her, that's I feel like what kind of really helped create the character but yeah finding that book and knowing that which is female witch's job is to charm men that was uh that was helpful <laughs> so it all kind of like build built uh built out from there no and, and i love that because that is that is present in every layer of your character and then without spoiling other female characters we're introduced to mm-hmm. that that we get the you know this whole thing is a big setup and no one is really in control Right. They all think they all think they are. (laughs) And that's that's one of my favorite things about this. The the tropes that show up in horror like this are the big, big baddie, whatever big baddie is, Mm -hmm. um, big, big, all knowing, all powerful, evil being um, has minions on Earth that, again, are human. You you and you and Lucas are not demons you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. at least at least in the you know there's no powers other than you know the witchcraft and the charming and the things but the movie keeps those very grounded in right. reality of like you know we, we we knocked you out so we could do this stuff to you and perform this stuff there's no like you know big like oh yeah we can just make the house disappear and turn exactly. it into something yeah and, and 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 i like that because it makes you guys fallible mm-hmm. and it also makes it so the audience can kind of get that. Okay. This is the, the movie keeps us focused on the only antagonist is you guys for the whole runtime. So when the movie shows its hand of what's actually going on, there's a moment of panic with your character of I'm not in control anymore. I have to pull out. Oh yeah, we can do it. We can do it. You know what I mean? And and I, I love that. I also love the scene with the cat because (laughs) it's a scene Again, it's 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 a horrifying scene, right. but it's a scene where we see the only scene where we behind see behind the veil of what exactly you guys are actually like. It's the right. only scene where we see the real you and Lucas, and you're still a playful young couple that just happens to be sacrificing a cat. Yeah, yeah, that just you know? happens. And I, I love <laughs> yeah. like 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 you know the you know the the incredibly graphic language, which I was completely yeah. taken about. I was like, yeah. God damn! All right, yeah. go Megan. I did forget woman. about that moment yeah. when uh, my grandparents watched the film yeah. over the weekend. So, I was like, huh? Oh so, yeah. Strong woman character really enjoys cat sacrifice. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, that's that's very important because it 
you know, even Get Out never really gives us the behind the veil of those people. They're they're all there for the setup, right? You know, which is fine. But I loved that little moment because it's like, yeah, you know what? They're they're, they're evil, but at mm-hmm. the same time, they're still just a, a young couple, you know, that does young couple things. And I was like, that's a cool little scene, right? You know? It has young couple priorities because I think yeah. the moment at the end, and it's such a little, you know, and you guys talked about it when you talked about Josh, but that little moment of you know Heather and Lucas being like, we can do it, we can do it. To me, I mean, that to me is like what I built the whole character on because it's like the whole. I think it's a moment of like, she's so like she's so happy to serve you know she's doing it all for for him for father but then secretly she wishes it was her and not and yep. not philip's character and not uh you know the other the other people involved and so just getting that little moment at the end i was like oh that's the character it's like she's she's fully still a selfish <laughs> you know self-involved person who who is completely jealous of these other people um so that was such like a gift of a moment to be able to have Wow. So, you know, um, you had mentioned that, you know, your character being evil and having to, you know, Philip had mentioned that, you know, there were times in this movie where you genuinely scared him and you weren't sure, am I scared of Heather or am I scared of Megan? <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I, I think, I think that one is both so telling of his character and how his character is on screen, but also just comes through totally in talking to him. He's just such a genuine guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's and, the best. Uh, and I, I don't know, like, could, could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Like, Yeah, well, it's hard. I mean, it's funny because we, I think you mentioned this too, we went to school at the same time, but we were never in class together. And we, so we didn't know each other outside of the film before we got there. And then by the time he came into rehearsals, like um, Josh and I had already done some work and some rehearsals and some improvisations. And I, I had a pretty good sense of Heather. <laughs> so I, I honestly kind of feel bad about it. Cause I feel like he came, comes in for his first rehearsal and I am like full Satanist, like ready to, you know, ready to watch and see if your pupils are dilating when I'm talking to you, creepy smile. <laughs> like really went all in um so uh sorry philip but came off <laughs> came off a little intense um and then you know on set like we, obviously we were all there the whole time but there wasn't a ton of downtime so i don't there wasn't a whole lot of you know chat like megan especially he was uh, a little bit busy on set he, he had a, a lot to do which uh i'm just still forever impressed by how much he got done and the breadth of his performance within I think our 19 day shoot. Um, so, so yeah, he got a lot of Heather on, on set um, and not a whole lot of Megan until, until the end there. That's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, that's, you know, that comes with the territory, right? You know, if, right. If, as, as much of an actor as, as you are, um, I think the, the, the realist acting is acting where you can tap into something you might not know about yourself. Mm-hmm. So if that, so if that can come off and then a person who's like, well, you know, I kind of only met this person as this role right. and I'm not really sure where the role ends and they begin is, <laughs> is a cool, is a cool thing, especially when you're playing a character that's so, like you said, it's like, it's, it's that like smile right to your face with a knife behind your back. Kind right. Of thing. So, you, so you never know when you're getting duped in into the kill, <laughs> you exactly. know, like when's, when's this going to happen or, or are we just having a nice, you know, 
around the grill conversation that's yeah. oddly that's oddly a little creepy and no one else seems to notice. <laughs> right. And it was such a gift for me too, because for you know, for Lucas and Heather, it's like the more thrown Nathan got, the more um you know, insecure he seemed, the more powerful we became and happier we got. So seeing even little moments of his, every time he would, you know, shift in his seat even a little, that is like a rush of adrenaline for Heather. So, you know, it really, it really worked for me too. I think we did each other a favor in that, in that regard. No, absolutely. Um, now, what would you say your favorite scene as Heather was? And again, it could be the play. It could be different. Like could have been the, like favorite to act in and then favorite mm -hmm. to see, to mm -hmm. see all completed. Right. Cause those could be two different things. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I really, I was so excited about the cat sacrifice scene. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, cause my favorite thing that Josh wrote into the script is that there is a part in the, um, sacrifice scene where it says like blood smash splashes onto Heather's face and she doesn't flinch. And I was yep. like, yeah that's her that's her and so i remember that day i just i really wanted to get that moment and not flinch and it's really hard to do it's really hard to not flinch when i think it was like a spray bottle of blood is splashing at you but that was like the only thing that i, I remember being like can we do it again because i really i really don't want to flinch um so and as you said that's the, one of the only scenes where she's really being the truest version of heather so there was something really freeing about getting to do that whole scene. Wow. So you've, you've showed it to a lot of family and friends. You said you, you had to show your grandmother the cat scene, which I <laughs> yeah. think is hilarious. Well, she, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. They all, they all got tickets to Salem. So, you know, maybe the, yes. so I don't think most of them have seen a horror movie in their life. So uh, maybe the, the festival made horror fans of, uh, out of them. So I hope that. Well, it's it's a good for for someone with starter. This is a good starter horror movie because <laughs> yeah. again, there's graphic things in it and there's graphic dialogue, but the movie is not. It's not a splatter movie. Right, it's, it's, right, it's, exactly. It's meant to be emotionally horrific more mm -hmm. than anything else, and um, so it's like, like I, I watched um, Death Drop Gorgeous, which was a riot. But right. I would not want that to have been the movie that I showed my grandmother. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Even though again, that that had one one main intent, and that was just to be campy and gory right. and insane, and 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 I, and I love that about it. Whereas you guys are going for more nuance, and and that's there's what I love about the festival is there's a place for all of that. Right. Instead right. of them competing, like I hate the word elevated horror when horror is dramatic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though, even though there is, you know, the, in in the world, people take a movie like Get Out more seriously as a horror film, but they shouldn't. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> and there's so many genres of horror, and I actually, I I think it seems to me that horror is just going to continue to, you know, continue. I, think I think it was on your podcast you were talking about with Josh I think about how horror is kind of in a golden era and I do think more studios are going to fund it and more you know quote-unquote prestige directors are going to be interested in it and I just hope that it continues with this understanding that there are so many different sub-genres of it and ways for horror to be quote-unquote good and you know enjoyable without them all being whatever you know without them all being hereditary you know they, it can look a yeah. lot of ways and still be good and enjoyable and i really do feel like there is an alley for everybody
that's that's a really good point because even even Ari Aster wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that we all didn't think Hereditary was the only way a movie could look. Right, I, right. Which I, I remember because because I love Midsummer, but I went, wow, yeah. there is you. You just went like to the other end of the spectrum, didn't you, buddy? Right. Like, good <laughs> <Right>. job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Hereditary was so dark and creepy, mm-hmm. and Midsummer is like bright and evil, and yeah, still <laughs> completely evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and and more loose. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Midsummer was a Midsummer was a um. It, it was a trip. It was a it was a state of mind kind of movie. Whereas Hereditary was more like this movie. Everything was very intentional, mm-hmm. and you know. Where Midsummer was like, yeah, you know, don't think too much about that whole section because you're on drugs just like all the main characters. <laughs> exactly. <Enjoy."> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, it's a and whole I experience. <laughs> but but uh, so um. I would imagine. So I'm assuming you heard from a lot of people that you're very close to what they thought of it. Is there, has this been like a resounding, like, you know, great job? I'm, I'm assuming it would, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I really do feel like what you consume, you know, the culture you're into is very much defined by the culture you consume ages like 12 through 18. And so I, yep. I didn't, grow up watching a lot of horror and so most of the people I'm close to that were close to me then didn't either so I think for a lot of people you know we did like a little night where everybody you know logged in on their own and then we skyped afterwards and I think a lot of them you know were a little bit horrified that like I I think my cousin texted me and was like please don't come around my cat um (laughs) so but it's fun you know it's fun to be the antagonist and have people watch it because it's a definite it's a whole different side of me um so that was really fun and you know and I had a couple people be like you know horror is not my genre but I was so engaged the whole time and had a great time trying to figure out, you know, what he was seeing and what was real and what wasn't and, you know, un- unraveling the plot of the cult and everything. Um, so that was cool to have people that aren't super into horror, um, you know, still appreciate it and get into it. Um, and, you know, obviously I hope to keep working with this team. So I hope people yeah. get on board because there might be other horror I would, movies. <laughs> I would, I would love you to work with them and hell, you, you know, you guys could make, you know, an Anchorman style slapdash comedy and I'd be down to watch it. Oh, thanks. I, I, no, no, it's, it's, you can, you can catch the excitement, you know, and I, I think this is what I, I'm completely taken aback by. This is one that you guys are, are open and nice enough to want to talk to me about it. Cause I really am honored by that. And two, that. It's like talking to people that, you know, we, we speak the same language. We're mm-hmm. excited. It's my, my friend at work goes, he goes, I love your show. You're an enthusiast. And I went and I went and I went, okay, and are you mean that in the negative way? Cause they used to kill enthusiasts. Like, that's like he goes, no, no, seriously, that was like a thing you could get locked up in a mental hospital for. And he goes, no, he goes, you enjoy the existence of things that are meant to bring you joy. Mm-hmm. You, and, and, and this is what I told Josh and what I've told everyone. I go into a movie expecting that somebody was trying to make something that I was going to like. Mm-hmm. And I, I then look at it from what didn't I like about it? Okay. Does that mean it's bad? I don't think so. Right. Or what didn't I like about it? And, Oh, I think there was bad intent. There are, are very different things. Exactly. And, and so I try to try to look at it that way. Um, that that brings to a to an important point of, you know, you and Josh, um, your characters. So you mm-hmm. and you and uh, uh, Lucas, Heather and Lucas, are the, you know, token white characters right. in, in this film. And 
when you came in for the reading, were you aware that that was the bent of the movie? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. By the time I got the full script. And I think, you know, that I feel like we all have such a responsibility. I mean, especially all of us have a responsibility to tell stories in a responsible way and to be a part of the most you know, diverse storytelling that we can be a part of. And so, you know, if that means I don't get to be, you know, white girl in a rom-com, you know, (laughs) Mary Tyler Moore style, like that's fine. And it shouldn't be that because it's not the moment that we're in, you know, to create important, not that, listen, I love a rom-com and I think rom-coms are very important, but I agree with that. I, I think, you know, if this is the storytelling that needs to be happening right now. And sometimes that's going to require me to be the worst version of a white person. And if the story is still told in a way that empowers, you know, marginalized voices that empowers other people, then that's great. And I, I, I don't understand. I think, uh, you know, we as artists all need to, to look at that and look at how we can be involved in the most responsible way. Um, and and can tell the stories that need to be told. So yeah, I totally knew that the whole time and and took it, you know, was very grateful for the experience and to be a part of a story that that did that. No, that that's awesome and thank you. that that you you answered all of the question I had there without me even asking any others. Well, yeah. Really no, and no, I hope I, I answer, think, you know, I'm always, I'm trying to still find the right words to, to voice no, how I feel hard. about it. So I hope it came out. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I mean it. And you know, this is, you know, a, a white guy on the other end of the phone here either. Mm-hmm. So I, I, ne- neither of us are the people with the experience or l- life lived or mm-hmm. past to really speak on that, but to be able to be an ally to it and help get those right. stories out there is very important. A, a really important thing that I've started noticing is that a movie like like Displaced mm-hmm. is able to be about that, is able to be about gentrification, it's able to be about race issues, but there is never, there's, there's one scene, there's one scene, the scene where you guys in your evil, wonderful ways use the calling the police thing mm-hmm. to, to try to get Philip shook up, right. you know? And that's the only time the movie ever goes meta above because that really, really would happen. And that easily can happen, but there's no, you know, Heather and Lucas are never evil because they don't like Philip because he's black. Right. That's very important because just casting him as black and casting you guys as white puts that, already in the eyes of the viewer the movie does not have to take the extra step and say it yeah the yeah. newest season the newest season the show watchmen I, I don't know if you've watched it but they did no i haven't did, yet yeah so they did they did a season of watchmen um which is all about and i won't blow what goes on in it but it's all about the marginalization of black people in society mm-hmm. that's what they made mm-hmm. the whole show about and it starts with, you know, the the murder and um, explosion of Black Wall Street, you know, back right. in the early 1900s. The Tulsa, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Tulsa. And they managed to go through nine episodes, I think eight or nine episodes of a show all about racial issues without ever using a bad word for a mm-hmm. black person. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And right. that, to me, is really important because they don't need to. 
You see right. a person in a white hood and a hangman's noose chasing a guy around. He doesn't have to be screaming the N-word for right. you to understand what's going on. And you guys were able to do the same thing. It doesn't the movie doesn't need to go the extra step of and Josh and Lucas are also racist. Sorry, and, and sorry, Lucas and Heather because well, yeah. that's already in just the 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 metaphor that it's going for. You know what right. I mean? Right. And so it's why it makes it better. And I'm not saying this doesn't make a person like Quentin Tarantino, a worse director or writer. He just kind of goes for that shock a little more in right. his story that I don't think is necessary to, to, to have the same impact is, right. is what I'm going for. Yeah. And I think, cause I think, you know, we can trust an audience enough to pick up on how, the situation, you know, without us calling too much attention to it, the situation of us calling the police in a black neighborhood is go is a different, you know, uh, has different consequences. And we, that's inherent, you know, that's inherent in, in the dynamic that exists. And I think that, you know, I, I just think we can trust an audience a bit more to pick up on the important, you know, the, how am I trying to say this? I just, yeah, I think the nuance, the nuance, the nuance, of, it. The nuance of it and, and the ways that it changes the situation and the way that it's hurtful without, you know, I, I think Josh said something about, you know, we don't want to like fetishize black trauma yes. and black experience yes. or pretend that we, you know, as white creators can, can speak to it. And I think that again, goes back to telling stories as responsibly as we possibly can and only, you know, doing what's necessary to tell a story and to speak truth into a moment, especially in horror, which I think does a great job at speaking truth to real fear without fetishizing every, anything or without, you know, hitting it over the head in, in a way that is unnecessary and causes more pain than it needs to. Exactly. Yes. Let, we, we should fetishize, you know, aliens and super sure, natural yes. creatures, <laughs> creatures getting their heads blown off, not, you know, racial discrimination or abusive women or anything like that. Right. That's the, right. there's two different ways. Again, you can have a villain that does those things. Yeah. You can and speak it makes truth them more bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, right. Um, but making it be the thing the movie glorifies or has fun with is we're way past that. And yeah. And, and I think even in my rewatch of Displace, cause I watched it before Salem, but for the first time, I mean, you know, we hadn't, I touched it in, in about a year and a lot of the, the nuances in the uh, racial disparity hit different now, you know, watching a, just watching it in this year. And um, not that it was, it was, you know, as important in 2018 when we filmed it, but a lot of the things I was like, Oh, that, you know, comes off even, a little bit different than I imagined that it would with the time we were filming it because I'm white. And, yep. and I think those things will read without, you know, needing to, to hit it on the head too hard. Yeah. It's there's the, the guy wrote a hell of a script. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really did. <laughs> you know? and, 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 and he hired a great cast and um, I'm really glad that cause he had said, you know, that scene, with the cops being called as something, you know, that he, you know, was unsure of how to approach mm -hmm. Philip with it, unsure if it should even be in the movie. And again, in 2018, like you said, you're a bit more insulated from that as, yeah. as a white person to understand mm -hmm. the true heaviness of that. But right. watching it now, it's like, you know, this has to be here. 
Like right. this movie, this movie is not telling an honest story without this being without. Made. Yeah. And yes, exactly. In anything, it would be undermining the the struggle without. Right. Without showing it. Right. That's, or glossing over it. Yeah. And, you know, that's not why we're here. No, it's, it's wonderful. I, I know you have to get to work and um, and I have a family to get back to. So I, I want to do again. Thank you. And I wanted to leave you with final thoughts, you know, something I didn't touch on that you wanted to say or anything you want to tell people, something you want to point people towards, whatever it is, you know, the, the, the microphone is yours, my friend. Oh, really well, thank you. I mean, I just, you know, I would say, you know, follow, continue to follow Josh as the filmmaker, Josh Atkinson, and see what he does next. Because, I mean, hopefully some of us are continue to be in his work, but I, I just think he's really, he's, he's I, you know, he knows I think highly of him, but I really do feel like he's kind of brilliant. So I'd say continue to follow him and maybe you'll see some of us. And then I just want to thank you because seeing all of your coverage of the whole festival, including Displaced, you know, being an enthusiast, as, as you put it, and being someone who's excited to connect and to talk and to shoot the shit is really refreshing right now and really energizing. And I thank you for it a lot. And as I told you earlier, I think we're all still that kid in the eighth grade who's excited to talk about their opening night of Greece with their parents. So getting to talk in kind of a nerdy detailed way about the movie is was really a joy and hearing your coverage of the whole festival has been wonderful. So thank you for taking the time, um, especially because I know you've got you know a lot going on right now. So thank you, thank you. for doing this for, for all of us, for all the creators at Salem and, and beyond. I, I really appreciate it. And you know, this is an open, um, line back if you ever have something you want to talk about or something you need to promote um again it's a lot easier sometimes for someone to know that i'm a good portal than for <laughs> me to be looking at everything everybody's doing right. all the time because yeah. so i just wanted you to know do not hesitate it is not a burden or a bother at all um i uh i'm really taken aback by what you guys were able to put together and that all of you wanted to talk to me it's it's really cool Oh yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. We're, we're pumped to talk about it. And of course, yeah, I'll keep you, I'll keep you posted and uh, I'll continue to follow and see what you do. Awesome. Thank you so much. So guys, um, this has been Chris Chipman, AKA the Chippa speaking with Megan Fitzgerald from the film displaced. Um, after you see the film, just like with Josh, you'll look at her Twitter handle and it'll immediately jump out who she played without you even needing to know. <laughs> um, I kind of did a huh when they reached out to me because I had just finished watching the movie and posted how much I liked it and then got uh, Megan and Philip and Josh all sent me messages. And I'm like, oh, my God. And Josh is especially where it's just like, oh, geez, because that that first meeting with him that we won't talk too much about because people got to see it is so messed up. <laughs> and then your and then and then your um, your your seemingly good intended um, diminishing the, the tension is, is so well done there too. So uh, it's just great. Um, but guys, you know, thank you, Megan, for shooting the shit with Chippa and thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you all soon. Bye.